0: Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Eric Bell, CEO and founder of data center information platform, BaxTail.com. Morning, Eric. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Thanks Thanks for joining. We just had a good 20-minute conversation before the podcast. So I think I think this is going to be a good one. Um, but thanks for coming on. Obviously, really keen to learn more about Baxtail and, and more a bit bit more about your career and how you ended up in the world of data centers. Before we start, do you just want to give a quick introduction of who you are and, and what you do at the moment?
1: Yeah, in brief, um I'm uh Eric Bell with Baxtail. It's a it's a small company, but hopefully has a large reach. We have 22,000 people who reach, you know, monthly users who use the platform. It's really uh, a data center information platform uh, that provides lots of information on data centers, maps them out on a, uh, on a map or plots them out on a map. So if you're looking for data centers in Amsterdam or London, uh, you can see where data centers are clustered. You can see statistics on those data centers. Uh, for example, you know, how many megawatts they have or some of the features of those data centers. Uh, perhaps you can you can drill into companies like show Equinix data centers in London, um, that sort of thing. We have other features which we can get into later, but effectively, it's a. Um, I envision it to be like a community platform um, for data for the data center industry.
0: Excellent! It's definitely worth a look for all those people that haven't had a look. I've used the map a few times myself when looking for uh, roles in Europe or or further afield. It's a good way of knowing where the data centers are and who's active in which region. I always like to go back to the start of your career just to see how you ended up in, in data centers. I noticed you started out as an internet engineer. Was um, was sort of engineering and IT something you were always looking to get into?
1: That's um, I would say it wasn't always something I, would, I was looking to get into. Um, I graduated um, with a business degree uh, and then did a couple, you know, first uh, first entry-level roles uh, outside the data center industry. And then, you know, the internet was taken off. This is late 90s. And I took a few computer classes. You know, I was like, I'm going to get a certification, you know, take a couple, you know, programming classes or whatever. And then I was hired into a call center at TW Telecom. Within three months, you know, was pulled out, uh, you know, and trained up by one of the chief architects at TW Telecom, we ended up building out uh, uh, TW Telecom, which was eventually acquired by Level 3, which was eventually acquired by CenturyLink and and now is Lumen, uh, but effectively built out their their IP backbone. So um, it kind of taught me a few things. One, in in this, you know, and and I'm kind of getting off track and and I'll I'll weave in my my background here, but that experience taught me a, a few things. One, uh, if you're new in the industry, um, it's it's one that you know you can't go to college necessarily for either technically or, or in the network industry or the data center industry. In that, if you show aptitude and you show willingness to learn, uh, which I did at that point, uh, you can be scooped up by folks who want to mentor you and, and bring you up in the industry. Um, that's that's what I learned early on. Uh, number one, and number two, we were part of a, a you know. There, were, there was a team of three, uh, you know, two other people and myself who were backbone engineers here. And, and it showed me the power of, of small teams um, and how small teams can really build. If they're they're executing uh, right, they can build out uh, large large things, if you will, or, or large projects. Um, but also at the time, so I, that went on for a couple of years. And then after a few years, uh, it, it also, uh, uh, maybe a third lesson here, is that it taught me um, that uh, you know really brilliant architects can sometimes become egomaniacs or someone who, you know their ego gets too big for the company uh, to some extent uh, and they you know other people in the organization cleaned house so a team of three I was the only survivor you know the other two were were escorted out, out of the building and somehow I I by the the, the hair in my chin chin, chin uh, survived that. Uh, you know clean out um you know and then i had to figure out what to do and so what i really did at that point is latched on to peering and interconnection so you know when you're doing backbone engineering you know another team kind of came in to do the backbone engineering and i helped out with that um but i really tried to specialize even within that team on interconnection and interconnection simply you know well backing up the the internet's a collection of private networks right and they all, they all need to interconnect uh, with each other. And that's the internet, right? And they interconnect in various buildings and various cities around uh, the world. Um, and, and these are kind of interconnection markets and interconnection buildings. So 350 East Saramac uh, it, it, it is one, or 60 Hudson in New York, or 111 eighth in New York one Wilshire in, in, in Los Angeles, you know, these are all interconnection buildings, right? Where, where massive amount of networks, you know, hundreds of networks might come together to interconnect. And so that's where I started to focus is on, you know, kind of interconnecting. Um, so I transitioned to peering interconnection for TW Telecom. Um, and then a- after a few years, you know, I think I spent a total of four years there and went on, you know, to switching data as a sales engineer sort of pointing my career closer and closer to the customer, if you will, away from engineering and towards the customer. And so I worked as a sales engineer uh, for a while and then uh, w- went to Equinix as a product manager. And that at Equinix, I, I focused on peering and interconnection, um, you know, it, managing their, their, their internet exchange and cross connects and, and other things from a product management perspective. Um, and really um, you know, from, from my viewpoint, from there, you do all the traditional product management roles, but um, I also, you know, I, I viewed peering and interconnection as as kind of building a party, right? You know, nothing draws a crowd like a crowd, um, and really, the product becomes better when there's more people there. So my focus is really on focusing on bringing more networks into each one of our data centers um, and, and building that ecosystem up. Uh, from there, I moved on uh, to Corsight, um, which is actually headquartered. I'm, I'm based in Denver, uh, Colorado, uh, in the Mountain States here, um, and, and moved on to Coresight and was more of a sales business development role, but also, you know, had responsibilities for for interconnection as well. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that can kind of. And then from there, I, I, I started uh, Baxdell as a as a nights and weekends project. Um you know i kind of as i point my career more and more towards um the customer, you know I, I became less and less technical, right and that this is kind of getting full circle back to your question of what did i always want to be an engineer and i guess i didn't always want to be an engineer, but i became one and then i pointed more towards you know back towards where my degree was in business, right um and then i got you know need to fill that that satiate that that need to be technical again and so kind of used, uh, you know, all the cool kids were, were building websites and that sort of thing. And I, I wanted to learn, you know, there are a few holes uh, that I, in my knowledge set, I, I would say that I wanted to fill. And it was kind of like a, a cool hobby project. Um, and over time, I saw other people building something similar. Um, you had Cloud Scene or Data Center Hawk. Uh, you had Inflect um, and Upstack. Uh, particularly, um, I think it was maybe 2018 or so. Uh, inflect raised like three million dollars, and, and Upstack raised you know one half million or 1.8 million. Um, and I, I that that caught my attention, and I was like, well, they're raising money to build this. I kind of already have it to some extent. Granted, um, you know, it was just kind of like on the shelf, and you know, I was doing some other projects and some consulting at the time. Uh, and I was like, well, maybe I'll focus on this more closely or, or more full time. And I, gradually I, I, I moved towards, you know, a full time role working on, on on the website.
0: Here we are now. What was it that made you sort of triggered you into starting it in the first place? Was there a particular moment where you thought there's a need for this or was it just something you were interested in? So
1: you thought, I'll just start doing it. And like you say, it's more of a hobby, really. Well, at the time there was... Um, I felt there was a need. It was both, right? It felt it it it, it filled a need that I thought I had, um, and there was a need in the industry, right? I, I saw both. So um, at the time, there was you know when I when I kind of originally started on it, there was only, as far as I knew at the time, only Data Center Map, and, and Data Center Map is still pretty prominent today, right? It, it has pretty good se- uh, search engine optimization, meaning like it, it ranks high. You you probably searched for you know, Singapore data centers, and it probably shows up, um, you know, in the top five results, say. Um, And so, but at the same time, it hadn't made a lot of uh, progress. It was called data center map, but there wasn't really a good mapping function on there. And so what I wanted to see is like, you know, where these data center clusters are within each Metro, right? Um, So it was kind of scratching an itch uh, that I had, uh, but I also saw it as a need in the industry. Um, you know, at course, I, I could see other, you know, you know, agents, for example, bringing um, data center clients in or data center deals, prospective data center deals in, and I saw that hey, this could be a wide net that I cast out and um, maybe help, you know, connect buyers and sellers together, uh, or at least the very, very least, provide information uh, into the hands of the data center buyer versus the you know the data center seller where all the information was at the time. Right now it's there's a there are a lot more tools out there. Um, but at the time there there weren't many where where all that information was held by that that data center salesperson.
0: Yeah, it's like we were saying before we came online with myself, there's not a lot of information in the market, was there at that period, whereas now it's slowly trickling in. But equally, the demand for information is a lot higher now. I, I guess your customers would now want a lot more detail on a p- potential acquisition or a potential deal than they would in 2018.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think yeah, more information begets the need for more information in a way, right? You, everyone's always looking for an edge uh, of of you know uh, you know, uh, and information often provides that edge. Yeah.
0: And when would a customer come to you then? Do they tend to come to you sort of when they're looking to buy or build or do you work with customers throughout the process?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say kind of um, backing up um, backstyle or I have ex- explored different business models with it has been primarily uh, self-funding. I didn't go out and raise, you know, seven figures in, in, in funding and, and hire a team of 30. Um, so I've experimented with different things. I was fortunate enough to be able to, to you know, have saved enough to 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 self fund it to some extent. But I also did it, you know, I have it a little bit of a, an experimentation. You know, I, I love to experiment with different models to see what sticks. And so I've tried different things. And so like I've tried agency, uh, you know, meaning um, matching up the buyers and sellers, and that's worked to some extent. Although I found um, that the close rate was pretty low. Like I was a little frustrated with that. I wanted the close rate to be a little higher. I felt there was a lot of tire kickers, meaning like people come, they like, Hey, you know, we need 10 racks in Amsterdam and that they might, you know, send that message out to like five other people. And so the close rate on that was lower. Uh, than I expected, or they're just looking to get leverage over their existing, you know, the, you know, their 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 existing contract, right, and their renewals, that sort of thing. So, you know, we we've helped that. I've I've, I've used Backstell to 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 have some consulting projects, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of people have approached me for data, uh, meaning. Um, you know for example a data center vendor might want to know where hyperscale data centers are located right you know for their their marketing or sales efforts right they want to know that hey we can sell to you know the facebook data center in iowa or whatever um so for the most throughout the large history of backstell I've, I've usually said no to that um, although i have done a few of those that selling data uh and i'm i'm, I'm becoming more and more open to it. I think that, you know, in terms of selling data so that no one's alarmed, I'm not selling any personal information or anything like that, or, you know, but it's more or less like, hey, here's a data, you know, even venture capitalists want to know, you know, people, investors, they want to know where data centers are, maybe, you know, the, the capacities in each metro, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, and, and uh, you know, Earlier this year, I've also pivoted towards. You know, we built out a um, backend for for advertising uh, on Backstell. and so through all these models, I wanted to make. It's it's important to me to be consistent with growing the user base of Backstell. and so for me, you know, aligning with with say data center advertising might make the most sense for me because if I grow the you know as a community platform then it becomes more valuable from, a, from an advertising perspective, right? And so I wanna kind of align my product and what I sell with kind of that continued growth as a community platform. So um, earlier this year, we built out a backend for, for you know, advertisers to, to order uh, that sort of thing uh, on Backstell. Advertisements and and we're de- currently developing lead, gen- lead generation tools for um, data centers. Instead of us matching buyers and sellers, we'll have a, a button that, that routes directly to um, that, that data center uh, itself, rather than us being the third party in the middle. So have you, those, those type of things, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And have you found
0: that over the last sort of year, eighteen months, you know, as we've been in the pandemic, that demand for your services has increased? how has it changed how has it been impacted by the pandemic
1: that is a good question um yeah i mean you can you can often see trends you know since now you know there's like i said 22000 people who come every month uh so there's a lot of fair amount of traffic you know consistent traffic on the platform um and i could say we 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 see these variations so for example you know i, I like to you know so uh, it, early in the pandemic, we had a drop-off. I'd say for the first you know, three, four weeks, there was a drop-off of traffic. Uh, and I, I attribute it to people just kind of, uh, you know, almost, you know, panicking and, 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 and focusing on themselves, figuring out where they're going to work, <laughs> you know, like, holy crap, what am I going to do? Reading about masks or reading about whatever, you know, or, you know, <laughs> all sorts of stuff, right? There's so much information that was flooding us. So I think, that a lot of people in the industry were um, distracted in that first month or so, maybe maybe five, six weeks. Um, but then the traffic came back bigger than ever, right? Through that summer, usually there's a little bit of a dip during the summer, um, but it, it stayed consistently high. Um, so I think that to answer your question, uh, from a traffic perspective, it, it, it dipped initially, then, then, then increased afterward.
0: And obviously on trends, you touched on that's one trend. But are there any other
1: particular trends you're seeing in the industry at the moment? Uh so yeah, there's lots of trends. Um, it's hard to pick out the the, the right ones. Let's see. Um, pick your top three. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that um, I'm I'm encouraged. You know, there's hurricanes hitting the the East Coast right now. Uh, you know, New England and stuff like that. And there's terrible floods in Tennessee and that sort of thing. So there's climate change, right? Um, and and I think it's fairly well established that, I mean, there's debate, but there's fairly established that it's, it's carbons, you know, contributing towards it. And so the data center industry is is a significant user of power, you know, and therefore carbon based, you know, resources are putting emitting carbon uh, through, through the use of electricity, that sort of thing. So I, to me, I'm encouraged to see a trend of companies this year, particularly, um announcing when they're going to go carbon neutral um and i think even microsoft announced earlier this year that they're actually going to you know by 2050 they're going to remove all the carbon uh they're not only going to be carbon neutral but you know by a certain date i think it was 2050 they're going to remove all the carbon that they once emitted into uh you know the, the atmosphere so you know i think that you'll see a uh something come out from backsell soon kind of focusing a little bit more on on that piece Uh, but I see that as a a pretty big trend Um, of course it kind of adds you know a little bit of an expense uh, to to acquire you know in some in some markets it may not be available um, you know more more green power particularly at the scale that that data centers are now consuming it but um, I'm encouraged to see the data center industry run in that direction
0: yeah it's definitely one of the main points people are talking about today and I think water usage is another one that links into it isn't it and did Facebook say the other day that they're going to be water negative or I can't remember, water positive by a certain day again? So there's definitely a lot of those challenges being talked about at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think in the, the 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 American West, there is a lack of water. And, and throughout the, you know, it's, it's you know, water's the, the new, new oil. It's been kind of talked about for a while. I, I think that might be a little bit uh, over the top, but there, there are certain markets that, are the have water deficits, right? Uh, and so data centers can use a significant amount of water in order to cool their data centers. And so, you know, I think Facebook is, is leading that from that perspective. I did see that, I, I think it was Mesa, Arizona or something like that, that that recently they, they announced that. Yeah. Um, it's a
0: problem when you read so much news like we do, is it? You try and you get confused between which article relates
1: to which date. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I, yeah, absolutely, and there is tons of news, right? Yeah, I think the the you know another trend is the acceleration in terms of the announcements of new data centers. It's 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 somewhat hard to keep up. Uh, there's there's a lot out uh, there. I think there's been a little bit of a reprieve over the last month or so, but uh, you know this year as an aggregate, right? This could be a temporary reprieve or, or or just can continue. You know, like maybe in the fall, we'll we'll, we'll continue on that pace. Um, but it is amazing in terms of the amount of growth that we're seeing, and and I think there's growth. So, so, so I mean, a, a few trends are that you know, I, I guess another couple of trends are that certain mar- markets are saying, "Hey, we're tapped out in terms of power," you know, where you know Amsterdam, I think it was Frankfurt, uh, Singapore. There, there are some other markets that are that have traditionally been you know powerhouses in the data center industry, right, in terms of adding capacity and adding data centers um where they're starting to get tapped out or they're, they're you know the, the the government officials or the the energy companies there are, are putting pauses on new construction projects and saying hey let's let's take a look make sure we can you know source this electricity uh and so secondary markets are starting to to pop up you know where you these secondary markets start to become you know major markets you know, Hillsborough and Phoenix and, and, and some others. Du- Dublin is another one that's that's had significant growth over the last, say, three, four years.
0: Yeah, geography is always one of those points that people ask me about, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, where are they building the data centres at the moment? And I, I try to explain that secondary market sort of aspect to people because what you're seeing in, in all countries that we work in is there's a, there's a major hub in most of them or they're building a new hub where there's, there's no data centers. But nearly every location that has a major hub is moving to secondary markets. That main hub is still seeing development because they always do, don't they? It's consistent, yeah. it's year on year. But the large growth is now away from those markets. Germany is a good example. You know, Frankfurt is the main hub, but you're seeing a lot of development in Berlin and Stuttgart and Cologne and, and just moving
1: away from that Frankfurt central market. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And I think that, you know, uh, you, you look at the the ingredients for making a data center market and it could be, um, you know, access to, and, and this isn't universal, right? Um, par- partly is, you know, I, 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 there are a couple of things, right? There's power, you know, how cheap is the power? Um, taxes, you know, are there tax abatements, Um the population in that, in that you know, what what a population would ser- be served from that data center market. And then of course, connectivity. And that's one of the areas that I, I tend to focus on. And that I think that some of these initial hubs that you look at, you know, the, the flat markets in um, Europe or some of the major, you know, the, the initial five to six markets in the US, or when you look at, um, which include, you know, kind of looking at the East Coast, New York, um, either Miami or Atlanta, and then central would be Chicago and Dallas, and then in uh, the on the West Coast it would be you know the Bay Area and L.A. When you look at Asia, uh, Singapore, Tokyo, Sydney, uh, and Hong Kong, you know those major four markets, right? were the the major hubs uh, of of data center activity, and that's those are all. And you look at the genesis of of why those are are. Um, Major hubs and it all comes back to connectivity. You know, that that you know, what we talked about early on is I I believe, right? You know, or why Ashburn? You know, why Northern Virginia over um Washington, DC, or Philadelphia, which actually has more people, right? Um, you know, it, it's because of connectivity, right? And, and it's because of those early, you know, internet uh peering ecosystems that that really attracted um the initial networks. And so really when you, you want to have cheap power, you wanna have you know, tax abatements and all that stuff, but really you also, when you build a data center, you wanna be able to offload that traffic, right? That traffic has to go someplace. It's not just gonna stay in that data center. And so you wanna have it reach the, the largest amount of population for the least cost from a latency perspective, right? And so you know, you wanna reach, so if you have, uh, you know, if you build a data center out in nowhere or in the middle of the Sahara Desert in Africa, even if power is like terribly cheap, that doesn't make as much sense as, as building it in london where there might be a lot of you know you can access everyone on the, on the british isles or, or, or whatever or you know in paris where there's good connectivity to everywhere else in france um you know that sort of thing so connectivity i see is is kind of fundamental to you know where these these centers start to grow up
0: yeah and if you follow the subsea cable sector as well and like you would see in the news, the amount of investment that's going into connectivity through the subsea cables is sort of pointing you in the direction of where these data centers are going to be in the future.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, subsea cables definitely drive, you know, interconnection. A lot of, you know, some people have always postulated over time, right, that, you know, these cable landing stations will be interconnect meet-me meet points. In some cases they are, but often they aren't. It's usually backhauled to the nearest interconnection hub. Uh, and then from there, that's where everyone interconnects. And so there's, a, you know, there's always hope that those cable landing stations will become interconnect points. And sometimes they are, but like again, they, they're often backhauled. I think what it does is point you towards the secondary markets,
0: doesn't it? Where the, yeah. you are getting regions in Asia connected with Australia and Europe, for example, that were not connected until that point, you know, that that then offers the Hyperscale is the opportunity to go in and establish a cloud region, doesn't it? Which then drives the, the rest of the market.
1: Yep. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, I guess uh, you know Copenhagen and Denmark. You know that I think you have a few cables going in there, and that that's had a lot of activity from a hyperscale perspective, for sure. Um, yeah, and then we've the seen hyperscale. It.
0: So yeah, we've seen we've seen a lot in Scandinavia based on that. You know, the connectivity between London, Scandinavia, and Scandinavia and Ireland, or or whatever it is. But yeah, that has driven a lot of that the market towards the low energy cost element that Scandinavia offers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From um, a news perspective, you know, I'm I'm like you. I follow the news as avidly as I can, and I struggle to keep up. But are there any particular news articles you've seen recently that have really made you kind of stand up and think about sort of where the industry is today or just anything really that's grabbed your attention?
1: Um, you know, I think, so I'm trying to think, you know, besides the the the, the carbon neutrality pledges that I've seen earlier, which I think are fantastic. Um, but you know, I, I wonder from an aggregate, you know, looking at you know, the news from an aggregate perspective, you know, all these new uh, announcements and, and so far, you know, from the work at home uh, has really driven, I think, data center use and then therefore data center building, right, our announcements of building. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious um, when, you know, when I read the news, I kind of am curious of when we'll reach kind of saturation, uh, to some extent, in certain markets, and I think data center markets will be like any real estate to some extent um, that you might have uh, overbuilding in certain markets. And I don't want to be—I'm not—I'm not coming on here and saying that there are there is overbuilding or there will be overbuilding. But I, you know, I, I ask myself that question. You know, at one point, you know, we keep on going up and to the right in terms of the acceleration of the growth in the building, and I think that. It will be a healthy industry for a long time to come, but I'm I'm also curious of of when will it reach saturation? Maybe in certain markets, right? Um, and I think data center operators and data center builders are often careful and building modularly, right? They might announce a large campus, and that campus might support 100 megawatts, uh, but they're also careful to build based on demand. So 100 megawatts, but they might build in like you know. 20 meg uh, increments or, or 10 meg increments. Right. Um, and so really it, it's a little bit building on demand, but um, it, you know, I think one of the things we could watch out for is that how much is building on spec and how much is built based on demand. And I'm still seeing uh, you know, announcements come through that um, say that, Hey, we already have pre-commitment for half our data, you know, ha- half our data center here. And so that's, that shows me that there's still healthy demand, but at some point, you know, there's going to be a supply-demand equilibrium, right? You know, where where you know the data center industry supply will catch up with some of the demand, and so kind of curious when that will be. If it's you know next year or five years from now or ten, you know, who, who knows? But you know, I think it's something to to kind of keep an eye out for.
0: Yeah, we've seen a lot of money coming into the industry as well, haven't we? And as a lot of people say to me, and like we were talking about at the beginning, you know, we have have the opportunity to speak with a lot of people that have a really good. Sort of viewpoint of of this element but if you've got, if you're an investor with significant wealth and you investing in real estate data center is a clear investment opportunity right now but what happens when the opportunities are also there within retail or hotels you know when that market picks up again will the money move towards that area or will it remain in data centers? Well, i don't know
1: i think that that i mean we've the, the pandemic has kind of somewhat permanently shifted uh, some some habits, right? And so habits may, might be that, you know, companies are now working almost remotely, right? They might have a head office, but it, it might not be, you know, assigned seatings or assigned offices, right? You might, whereas a lot of people are going to continue to stay at home. So I, I can't see, I'm definitely not in the finance, you know, industry, but I can't see that um, office space being a good uh, place to invest your money, right? Because I think that there's gonna be a lot of Class A office space and therefore further down the market, uh, empty, right? Or, or have a hard time being filled as these leases, you know, come up, they're not gonna be renewed. And so you are gonna have a lot of empty office space, you know, in the future, or it's gonna take a long time to reabsorb that. And so, you know, if you're looking to park, you know, a billion dollars, you, you, know, you can much, data centers are still the place to be from that perspective. Or even retail, right? I mean, you know, there's still a long cycle of, you know, the the, the e-commerce, you know, Amazon and such, um, kind of eating into that, you know, retail space, you know, and so I wonder, you know, post-pandemic, you know, a lot of retailers have gone out of business. And so how, how is that going to look uh, over the next five years? It's going to take a long time to, for all that space to be reabsorbed uh, through demand, right? So data centers still are, are one, that demand is still growing at a very significant clip, and so yeah, I agree. If you if you have a billion dollars to park, you'd you'd want to put it, you know, and you need to put it in real estate. Um, you know, it could be data centers, and it might be some others like you know farmland or whatnot. But um, that I, I don't know about that. I know about data centers, and it continues to grow. And I also
0: think that links into the the globalization of the sector as well. There's still a lot of regions that are fairly sort of low saturation of data centers and or a low usage of data. You know, there's still a small percentage of users of data in a lot of these vast countries, you know, even the States, isn't it? You know, there's not, it's not accessible to everybody in the country yet. And once data usage increases, obviously the demand for data centers also increases. And when you look at countries like the Philippines or India or Malaysia, where they have fairly low usage of data, when that demand suddenly hits the, the customer, surely there's only one result within those regions.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, I think it's a long cycle. Uh, you know, you look back 20, 25 years and most of the internet went through the United States, say, 25 years ago. Um, it, it almost entirely went out through the U.S. So if you're if you were in um, Asia, you would have to go all the way through, you know, interconnect all the way through the cables to Los Angeles, probably. And, inter- you know, hairpin back to uh to, to Australia or, or New Zealand or whatnot. And I think, you know, of course, you know, countries like Australia and New Zealand have been building out data centers for a long time. But then you look at those tertiary markets, like you said, Indonesia and Malaysia have, have seen a huge building boom from, from a data center perspective. I, could, I would expect that to continue. You look at Brazil too or Latin America, a lot of that interconnected you know, through Miami or perhaps Dallas to some extent, but mostly Miami. And so now a lot of that's being pushed down to Brazil and some of the, the Latin American countries, right? And so that's going to continue to build out because there's going to be, you know, many of these countries have huge populations. And as you say, they're going to continue to consume more and more data, uh, particularly as they, you know, they they watch less broadcast TV and more streaming TV. Uh, you know, video is very heavy from a, um, from a bandwidth perspective. Right. And so I think you're going to continue to see people build data centers in those regional, you know, maybe um, developing countries. Yeah. And also
0: the industry will evolve. right? You've got 5G, IoT, you know, uh, autonomous driving, all this new technology that's going to come into the, into the world, which is having an impact on data. So whether that's hyperscale data centers located, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere or it's edge data centers next to the road. When you're driving your autonomous cars, all that is going to impact the sector, and all of that is still to come. We're still very early days in in every element that I've mentioned.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the whole uh, autonomous driving's a very interesting, uh, you know, local edge uh, use case, right? Um, where you have to have low latency, uh, and it's a unique problem to solve. And I think. I'm encouraged by it. I'd rather have a computer drive my car than, than myself. You know, I love to drive. Um, but you know, I, I'd rather relax a little more if I'm making a longer trip, uh, and, and have the car drive. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't bike on the roads because you know I'd rather bike on trails because I feel that there's distracted driving now. And so there's, I'm encouraged by, um, the, the, the coming autonomous driving, but I think we're still, at least a few years away from it being a practical, you know, full self-driving.
0: So it'll be a self-driving car whilst we're all sat on our mobile phones. <laughs> right, yeah, it could be for sure. <laughs> Driving more data. Um, anyway, I really enjoyed that conversation. Before we close up, there's just one com- one question I ask everybody on my podcast just to get their viewpoint. But if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data center sector, what would it be?
1: So I think that uh, for, for me, and looking at my own career, it'd be what I would reverberate uh, to, to others is that um, make sure you network, right? And so for me, when I moved into Peering and Interconnection, it, it it kind of forced me and encouraged me to to look outside my company and really develop a large network outside my company where I had to interconnect with all these folks you know, at different companies. And that has been really beneficial so what would that look like for most people it could be going to to industry conferences once once more industry conferences start up um it could be you know networking in a local community or user group you know that sort of thing It's get to know people outside you know network inside your company like crazy but also network outside your company uh for me that 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 would be huge no, i totally agree and that's the value of platforms like yourself yeah.
0: as well you know check it out take a look and that community element of the industry I think is is amazing. I genuinely think there's a massive community within data centers but if you're outside it you do need to kind of work your way into it and reach out to people like us or you know or, or anybody in the sector and ask them to kind of introduce you to others within the
1: market. absolutely and, and going to a conference uh, hanging out at the the bar striking up conversations, trading business cards, all that stuff, or if, you know, more, more like a local user groups or an iMasons, you know, all these organizations, you go to their meetings, and a lot of people are very open to having conversations and building those connections. And I think it, it's invaluable, frankly.
0: Totally agree. And the key the key piece of advice I get on this, I, I don't, I've never collated every single answer, but is reach out, you know, reach out to people in the sector and ask questions, get them to help you, whether you're in the industry and you're looking for knowledge or whether you're outside and you want to join it, you know, reach out and ask people to help you because they're, you know, everyone I speak to would, would be more than open to giving you some advice. Yep. I agree. hundred percent. Definitely. Excellent. Well, great advice to end the podcast on. Thanks for your time. So I recommend everybody listening checks out backstail.com, you know, have a look, join the community and, and hopefully that will, you know, help you learn a bit more about the sector and, Good luck keeping up the news, Eric. I know how hard it is.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us on or, or myself on. Uh, and I enjoy uh, enjoyed the conversation.
0: Absolute pleasure. And we'll speak again soon.